the Endurance Asia podcast. Yo, take your red up because things ain't that bad. Maybe you should switch the target that you're aiming at. Believe perfection is a beast that they'll never catch. So never waste another day because life moves so fast. And a dream without pursuing, yo, they never last. Another shadow of regret I try to never cast. And always tell a truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Endurance Asia podcast. And this week we have a recap of the Hardcore 100 H1 race in the Philippines, uh, one at which I, Scott Pugh, uh, raced in. And we got to chat after with the race director, Janelle Mendoza, who has been running the event for the past eight, nine years and for the last couple of years, along with his partner, Rob. And uh, yeah, called up with him to discuss the, the genesis of the event, how it came about, how it's evolved over the years. And then after I catch up with some fellow competitors uh some absolute legends from the hong kong trail running scene uh, we have will haywood uh, nikki han and virginie gotels join us to talk about how they got on in the uh, in, in the challenge one of the hardest 100 mile races in asia um probably not the hardest i i reckon rinjani uh Myla that's going on this weekend is uh, is probably slightly tougher but it's still definitely up there and uh and it was quite the adventure um so with that first up we have janelle mendoza that a truthful story if they ever ask stop the complaining because things ain't that bad janelle welcome to the endurance asia podcast it's a yeah a pleasure to have you on um we, we we're just off the back of H1, um, I think it might be about your ninth edition or uh, or what, which edition was it? Uh, it should be our eighth. We started in 2013. In 2013. Well, look, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you, we've just kind of the dust has settled off the back of uh, what was a pretty epic weekend. Um, and yeah, I thought it would be great to get you on to kind of hear a bit more about the genesis of the event. Where... Did the Hardcore 100 H1 come about? How did it? How did you come up with it? And um, and sort of how it's evolved over the years. So, I mean, with that, actually, just to kick off, Janelle, would love to hear a bit about your background as well and how you came to sort of come up with this uh, with this pretty crazy, challenging miler. <laughs> okay. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you, Scott, for this uh, privilege. I'm honored to be in your show. Uh, I started running basically back in college, but I took it seriously about 2008. I was invited out. Then eventually, uh, a friend invited me to do uh, an ultra marathon, the Bataan Death March. That was how I got into ultra running. And uh, I joined trail races in the here back here in the Philippines around 2010 joining the North Face 100, which was the first 100-kilometer race in the Philippines back then. Anyway, uh, since it took us another, it took it usually was a yearly race, as you very well know, and it took us, uh, it, it, we had to wait that long to run another race. So I thought of uh, making, well, having our own race, 
And one time I saw a photo, photos of a beautiful trail and I asked where this was. And I was surprised to find that these trails were in my home province of Nueva Vizcaya. It was in Mount Ugo. So the December of Gen- December of uh, 2011, a good me and my good friend, we went, tested out the course, measured it, and came up with initially Mount Ugo Marathon. Okay, and when we went to the mayor to ask for permission, he's sort of was he was excited and he started drawing a lot of connecting trails, including where you passed by Mount. Uh, Old Spanish Trail, Amelong, Castillo. Mm-hmm. The problem was he didn't know the distances. And all he said was, we know how many hours it could take. And so we had our another, we had an assignment in our hands and we had to find out ourselves the distances. So, so it was the local mayor of the province where Mount yeah, Ugo the, the was. Town, the town of asked... Who is okay. the brother of the incumbent mayor? Oh, got you. Okay. And so he immediately, he was really supportive. Like it, because often it can be the case where it's like they're, yeah, if you come to um, sort of a government official about something like they're immediately, uh, their guard goes up. But so it didn't take Mm -hmm. much convincing. He saw the value about the potential tourism or the potential of of having a a race in, in their province. Yeah, surprisingly, he was so receptive. Maybe uh, my charm was working on him, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it helps that I spe- uh, we spoke the same dialect. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Ilocano. So after that, we came up. I came up with a distance that ended up ended up ended up having a, a marathon, a fifty-kilometer race, which is called Spanish Trail, and four lakes, one hundred. Soon after those events, he again told me about a back trail that goes all the way to Pulag. The one where you did after Banao, Caballo, that section. And so June of, 10, 2012, of 2012, after our first three events, my friends uh, and, I, and myself went on a hike, on a three-day hike. Keeping in mind the... Uh, the numbers or the data that I initially had for the shorter distances. And when I finally was able to finish the whole route, I was surprised. I was calculating mentally and I came up with 160 kilometers. And that's uh, when I thought uh, I had to validate everything. And when I saw that it was indeed 160 kilometers, that's when... I thought of putting up a 100-mile race because during that time, 2012, there were no 100-mile races here in the Philippines and I believe in Southeast Asia. Yeah. I believe so. I, I, I actually think at that point there weren't many in Asia. Uh, I mean, obviously you had uh, Ultra Trail Mount Fuji, but Mount other Fuji. than that, and then maybe in, uh, in, uh, in New Zealand, uh, but um, in actually in Asia, were there many other 100, um, 100 miles? During that time, during that time, I didn't, maybe I, I didn't, I don't remember or recalling a lot of trail races that long or there were none at all. I, I'm not really sure, but I, I tried to, uh, you know, uh, Google that time and I couldn't find any anyway. The point was having our own trail race of, of this uh, land. And when I was thinking of a proper name, 
I thought that hardcore hundred sounded nice. And I was also the one who uh, did the acronym of H1 just to make it uh, simple. And obviously a big part of the event is that you, there's not many races around the world that actually act as qualifiers for the Western states. I mean, Uh there's probably more for Western states, but certainly Hard Rock, which is one of the sort of, uh, yeah, iconic hundred mile races in the US to actually have, an opportunity to go into the raffle effectively for for that race there's only there's there's only a few around the world internationally that uh yeah. that are open to that and so how did you manage to get h1 as a uh, as a feeder race to to western okay. states and hard rock first of all our first international affiliation was uh, utmb Okay. Because it was it was quite easy then to become a part of the UTMB point circuit that time, 2013, I, I believe. That was the first year. Then I thought of, uh, of course, uh, uh, hooking up with Western States. It was after two years. I emailed them, but their suggestion was, hold it first for two more years. Then we we'll, can get, get back to us. That was the same thing with uh, Hard Rock. So after two years, I remember sending an email to Western States showing our results, our participation, that we were a legit, uh, legitimate race that it was being conducted on an annual basis. So surprisingly, after two years, I got in, uh, no, H1 got in and was the first uh, Southeast Asian race, I think. Yeah, I, Even ahead of, I don't know, it's even ahead of uh, Hong Kong 100, I think. Yeah. Then that's the same thing that happened with Hard Rock 100. Uh, they told me to conduct it first, two, three years. Then that's when I finally, when we were able to finally hold H1 for consecutive years, that's when I wrote them again. And surprisingly, we got in. To this date, if I'm not mistaken, it's only H1 and the 100-miler in Japan, the Mount Fuji, uh, Ulta Trail Mount Fuji, that are the races uh, that are races in Asia that are both qualifiers for Western States and Hard Rock. For both the of them. In this part of Asia. I'm yeah. not sure about Australia or New Zealand, but I'm sure mm. in Asia, it's the last time I read, we were the only yeah, two. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm interested, how has the race evolved over the years? Like what, what the number of, uh, the number of participants, how is oh. that? So the first race was in, uh, it was, um, yeah, February, so was February, 2013, 2013. And is it always, um, been sort of like the beginning half of the year? I mean, obviously it's been, the, this year was in May, but what has been the, um, the period of time it normally acts? Oh. The first two years, we held it in February because that was only the vacant date that we had under the King of the Mountain series. Yeah. Okay. And uh, my friends were saying that, no, let's hold it at a later date. So it's like a stepladder going to a longer race. So anyway, for the first edition, we had 42 runners. I was surprised to get at least, I think we had at least eight to 10 foreign visitors. I was surprised because during that time, it was really not as noisy on Facebook or the social media wasn't that noisy back then. And we didn't, I think we had a proper website, but it was not yet uh, as uh, presentable as, as it is now. Yeah. 
but I made sure that I had all uh, details of the event in it. So the rest is history. We had 42. The following year, we had 29. I thought people learned their lesson. <laughs> but surprisingly, the third year onwards, it just kept on increasing. This year is basically the highest uh, or the most attended race out of the past eight editions. And how many did you have uh, have this year? I think we all we had almost we had two hundred, but a few had to beg off just before the race, a few weeks before the race, and I had for valid reasons. And uh, somebody or a few had to take in their slots because we we re I really wanted uh, to have a small race, really. No? Yeah. Uh, some because I want to meet everyone. Or no, yeah. talk to everyone individually. Yeah, because that's uh, that that's how I am as a race director. It, it's definitely got that feel of a very friendly community-based race, and it does feel really intimate. Um, and so you started with forty-two, and it's kind of grown. So I think there was like a hundred and fifty or sixty at the start uh, line there, this year. Was there? It? There were hundred eighty-nine of you officially. Uh, yeah. On the start list, but only 158. Uh, Got you. Uh, and um, and what's been the sort of DNF rate over the years? Because I know it's notoriously been known as a really challenging hundred miler. Yeah. Um, so yeah, have you have it? Has it always had like a high DNF rate? And do you see that as a bit of a badge of honor? <laughs> do you actually like when you have a because? And, and I'll give you a comparison. Like we we spoke to Janet and Steve for the Hong Kong 100 recently, and I, I went and ran it as well. And they had one of the highest DNF rates they'd ever had, and it was about sort of I want to say it was about 25. percent I forget the top of my head. Um, and I asked the question to them, and they're like, "Not at all. We we would actually want everyone to finish. Actually, we we what we really do want to be able to see a really high finish rate." Um, but yeah, I'm interested for you, Janelle. How do you feel about sort of making the course challenging and having a high DNF rate? Uh, just for curiosity's sake, the first year was had a success rate of just 27%. Okay. And, and this year, the one you joined last weekend is the second lowest at 28%. Wow. In all the eight editions of H1, it has success rate has never gone beyond 50%. Okay. So highest, I think, what closest was around 48%, but that was it. We yeah. have never gone beyond 50%. For this year, Robert and I were projecting a high of 60 to 70% finish rate. Really? Yeah. In fact, I prepared around 150 buckles. Yeah, I have 150 buckles with me and trophies as well, the handmade ones that you got that you have yourself. And I was really surprised. Up to now, I've been trying to analyze where, what factors affected the, the participants, but you know, I have to get their answers yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the weather is always a given. Just to let you know, at any time of the year, it rains in the mountains, especially in that area. So yeah. that's one that should that should be a given already. Uh, what else? Do I take what? pride and honor? In yeah. No, I I don't. I really do not. 
because you know I know how you guys prepare and I, I have joined the 100 mile races and for that matter trail races of any distance you always want I always know that people or my fellow runners always put in a good amount of uh, uh, training and preparation but it's just there are just some factors really that affect the performance you know as I've been always been saying trail races, because you're alone for the most uh, most part of the race, it's a problem-solving thing, right? You mm -hmm. have to be able to adapt. That's the number one thing. You have to be able to adapt. And of course, uh, you know what it is, how it is mentally. Once you get it, uh, start when, when the idea of stopping starts playing in your mind, that's the start of the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I've got my own um, <laughs> ideas on why the DNF rate was, was so high this year. But one thing, and one of the biggest reasons of that, and from everyone that I'd spoken to that had done it before, and in fact, this is a good reason for you, I suppose, potentially to want to have a high DNF rate, is that if you DNF a race, and I don't know if you feel the same, but it's been the case for me, I have to go back and get it done. It's almost becomes a nemesis that you are, you know, you've got to go back and complete it. You've got to prove to yourself that you can actually do it. You can finish it. So I think that's why I asked the question, because I'm interested in as a race director, if you make it that hard, it almost causes people to sort of come back and retry and retry and retry. But this year you did actually change the course. And from everyone that I spoke to that had done it before, they said it was much, much harder. I don't think the elevation or the distance changed, but I think that the terrain was a lot more challenging. Um, and so I'm interested with that, whether you expected that you expected it to be more difficult and therefore why you didn't realize that it would have a high DNF rate. Well, for one, the section that we removed, which is Mount Salingsingan and Mount Pak, are really hard climbs way hard it's like the last it's twice as hard as the last section where you had to climb to the last station it's those sections are really very difficult and and, and very uh, uh densely forested so you can't really run the reason for my optimism for this year was the fact that the surface the ground surface where you were running were actually much better than previous ones because mm -hmm. Have, as you have, you have seen, the, some were concrete already, some were uh, widened into a dirt road, which I, I thought was run, was basically runnable. Mm -hmm. uh, compared to 2019, the last edition where we had Mount Salingsingan and Mount Pak, I really thought that this year's uh, uh, course was much easier, to tell you the truth. Interesting. <laughs> In fact, that, that race route, the one you did this year, except for the new trailhead in Mount in Balete, the one that started the climb to Mount Pulag, and the last section after Mount Ugo, it's basically the same as the ones from 2013 to 2018. The only difference being Mount Pak and Salingsingan, which was we skipped this year. So yeah. my optimism, just like I told you, my optimism was lying on lay on the fact that the ground surface was much better than the previous years. Yeah. Okay. Got you. I mean, I think that this year there was uh, some really bad weather. There was a few storms that came through. 
it was very wet on occasion i was actually lucky to avoid the majority of the um the storms but i know a few people got sort of caught quite in uh in the middle of a like really uh tough um yeah a tough thunderstorm um i i'm interested also you mentioned rob he has obviously joined you as one uh, as the race director like how did it come about you partnering on the event and does he work across all of the um the, the all of the king of the mountain trail events with you now well, uh, during the pandemic, I had all the time to think about it. And, uh, you know, personal circumstances have prevented me from fully uh, uh, devoting my time to the races as a race director. And I thought it would be unfair to paying registrants like you if I were there and my heart wasn't into it. So I just thought of uh, passing it on to somebody else who I thought was... Uh, worthy more than worthy enough to handle it and i'm glad that rob said yes it's nice that he's a techie guy so i leave it yeah. to him to take care of everything and he has uh, professional stuff uh, behind him so things work well i'm happy i'm happy yeah I, I mean one thing that i noticed and actually a lot of people that have done it before noticed is just the kind of level of professionalism in the race when it comes to health and safety i think like there was there were so many checks of uh, of mandatory gear. I, I would argue probably too many. I think actually on the course, there was one at the beginning, I think there was like two or three while you were actually in the middle of the race that you had to consistently get all of your gear checked. But do you know what? It was probably a good thing with all the storms and everything and to make sure people had all of the right gear and all the right safety equipment to, to go on the course. But, you know, having trackers, all of the tracking equipment and, and checkpoint uh, equipment going through, it definitely felt like um, it was uh, it was extremely well organized in that respect. Yeah. You know, uh, Scott, uh, you have seen how far uh, Balete is from the starting line in Pulag, right? Yeah. For me, that's the hardest section to track because it's so far away from us, from where the main venue is. That's why I thought of re really of uh, looking for a tracking service. So we did it. We used it first in 2019, and I'm happy that how things turned out. That's why we use it again for this year. Uh, on the matter of mandatory gear checks, you know, in the past years, in the many editions. We have uh, encountered so many problems or circumstances where we thought that uh, this situation needed this uh, item. You know, like hypothermia, we had one runner approaching Mount Ugo at almost past midnight, and he was really shivering, so cold, and he was so close to having hypothermia. So the following year, I introduced the mandatory item of having an emergency blanket. Mm -hmm. Because I also, as I always say, every race, no, I've been doing, I've been organizing races since 2011, and up to this day, even after last Sunday or last weekend, I always learn something new. Now, I always learn something new. I thought I knew everything, but it's not. Every race is a learned. I always pick up a lesson. That's why I that lesson I want to pass it on to the runners. You know, sometimes there are runners who don't uh, who don't listen. But when it happens to them, oh, it's good you told us to bring this stuff. What was the biggest learning you had from this year, then, Janelle? The weather. Uh, in spite of the fact that we have uh, been dealing with this kind of weather uh, in the past, this year last for our Pulag 100. At around late afternoon, we had a terrible uh, thunderstorm. 
it almost uh, cost us a runner. It hit him and he fell to the ground. We were really uh, surprised, uh, well, worried about that because we got a call from a teammate who said, oh, my friend uh, needs help. So when the time came for H1, I made sure that uh, I already Googled about uh, thunderstorms and what to do. But basically, there's nothing that says there that what to do when you're out trail running. Even if you Google now, there's nothing. It says go inside the building. Where do you find the building in the middle of a trail, right? <laughs> so that's one thing that I have learned. So how to cope up, how to cope with the thunderstorm, the weather really. Unfortunately, this year, uh, since April, the third week of April, the rains have arrived so early back in our place in the, here in the mountains. So it's one thing you have to deal with again. Nature it can't really fight it. So just be prepared for it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I suppose just lastly, then, Janelle, what what are the uh, plan for future events? I know that you've got a you've got a series. Obviously, you've got the Pulag One Hundred and the Four Lakes and Old Spanish Trail and the Mount Ugo Marathon. But um, would you consider H One as your kind of flagship event? And and what are your plans for twenty twenty four? Well, yeah, it is. Uh... Modesty aside, I'm proud of what H1 has become. Uh, it has been able to... This year, we had the runner from Hungary for the first time. Unfortunately, he didn't finish. But, uh, you know, I'm really surprised to get messages or inquiries from so far away from here, from Europe, from, of course, the US. We have had uh, visit runners from the US also. And, uh, you know... I'm really humbled by the fact that we made it this far, <laughs> H1, and to be recognized or be part of the circuit of Western states and Hard Rock and, of course, UTMB. I really just start, we really start, I used to call it an underground race because we didn't have any, you know, uh, corporate backing. Well, we do still have a few sponsors now, but basically, H1 is thrived because of uh, support of the support of friends and uh, and fans, <laughs> if you could call it that way. And uh, of course, the community, the, the local communities have been very supportive of us and we're thankful for that. As for plans for 2024, Robert and I haven't really sat down for this because we're still getting our uh, senses back after really, you know, yeah. preparing for this takes a week. You know, uh, getting up uh, three to four days of no sleep, to tell you the truth. And before that, you have all these series of meetings, things like that. So, well, one thing I can say is that because of the trails that have become roads, uh, trails that have become concrete roads, well, I knowing Robert and how diligent he is, he's going to look for trails, more trails. <laughs> This time, just like what he did with the from Ugo to the finish line, yeah, maybe, maybe more challenges, uh, definitely more challenges, things like that. I really haven't sat down, but uh, just uh, still trying to gather our senses, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there, uh, there. There was very actually very little little pavement. I think when you're uh, or, or concrete, and I think when you're you actually long for a bit of it. You're like, oh please, just give me a little <laughs> bit of concrete. Well, certainly me, my my feet were shredded with blisters, so I was like, every step was uh, on on uneven trail was like 
it's like daggers in my feet um but uh but yeah no i can understand the the want to keep it as 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 much trial as possible i, I and i suppose just one other last thing i'm intro- i mean there were some amazing performances this weekend i think the the winner um uh reese pavid is he's yeah. like incredible right he's like one of the would you say he's the top ultra runner in in the philippines right now well, I would say the top long distance, uh, yeah, top ultra runner for long distances because uh, we have yeah, some obviously good... you got stingrays, etc., and yeah, you've got some, uh, yeah, yeah. But for the hundred, then above, I think uh, Reese should be uh, our exactly. best bet at the moment. Yeah, he's yeah, been pretty consistent, and I'm. Re- I was just kidding. I was kidding him because you really messed up our preparations. <laughs> we had to get set up early because he was really fast, especially at the start, and he was pretty consistent. Yeah. Well, before I get, let me get back to the con- concrete thing, the concrete roads. Okay. You know, back when we started in 2013, you know, just to give you an idea, the trails all look the same, just like the one you were passing through to Mount Pulag, all single track, mm-hmm. all local trails, all local trails that were built by generations and generations of uh, locals. We didn't build the new one. That's why even that's that's the uh, atmosphere or the condition that I want. I'm looking for again. That's why mm-hmm. when I say uh, looking for more trails, we just want to go back ten years ago from what it used to be like. Yeah, I understand. There's so this like you know it's it's the nature across the entire of Southeast Asia, whether it be Thailand, Vietnam, or Philippines, or is that. Um, many of these trails that start as dirt track trails, then they get turned into dirt roads and then eventually get concreted. And then all of a sudden your whole trail network has just kind of disappeared. Yeah. And um, it's the, you know, it's the nature of sort of economic growth. It's it's the nature of like li- linking different villages and towns and um, and of like prosperity essentially. And, um, and I suppose it's up to... Um, yeah, I suppose hopefully you'll be able to convince the sort of local uh, like leaders within government around there to try and retain as much of this beauty as possible <laughs> and to retain as many of these trails as possible. Because honestly, it, it's a great um, a, attraction for uh, for visitors, for travelers, for racers, for hikers to want to come through. So um, and to rather than sort of convert the old trails into eventually road. Why not just find separate roads on a different route where it can and, and, and keep the um, keep the essence of the original trails? Yeah. One thing I can tell you about is there's no shortage of trails in Kayapa. In yeah. the area where it's held. Because whenever we uh, ask for alternatives, the locals would point, there's uh, somewhere there, up up there, on this side, on this side. So uh, there's no shortage really. Because these yeah. are, you know, this is the road network of the locals going from one place to another so yeah. there should be no shortage of that yeah yeah and, uh, and we can we can't blame uh, government for trying to improve the road conditions yeah. because for many generations these villages were isolated and it's only now that they're getting services from the government a hundred percent i mean it's to it's i'm sure it's to the benefit of the of the majority as well but there's a balance of course i'm interested actually janelle just as a last question have there been any who have you had as some of like the more notable 
um, participants in the in the past for H1. Anyone that you um, that you've been that's like any international uh, races that you've been pre <laughs> pleased to host. Well, there's you. Oh, uh, Debbie. yeah. Will, Will Hayward and Nikki. Will Hayward, obviously, who we go, we're going to have on shortly, and, uh, and Nikki. Uh, I don't think we have uh, we have caught the eyes of our elites yet. I have tried uh, inviting some, but. There was no luck. <laughs> There's no luck so far. Maybe we have not uh, gotten into the radar uh, radar of our elite runners yet. But it's okay. It's okay. I, I I'm pretty sure that yeah the um that you'll start getting some more. And then obviously with with Hard Rock and and Western States as it being a feeder race, I'm sure that will um continue to sort of attract people that um yeah the 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 sort of more like a uh elites of the uh of the region as well but janelle honestly it was a fantastic weekend i just want to say thank you to you rob and the entire crew that put on the event it's honestly the the atmosphere at the start and finish line the atmosphere and the support at each of the checkpoints was just incredible like just uh, i think the people of your region were so welcoming i was so impressed with not just how beautiful it was but how well kept everywhere was you know you're very very rarely did you see any litter lying around in any of the villages you would go through or in any of the trails you could tell people have a real pride of their area and they really look after it um and it was uh yeah it was just an absolute pleasure to be able to explore your region and um and yeah i'd love to come and see it again sometime thank you for visiting scott and i'm happy that you found the place to your liking no kayapa has been kayapa and the uh, other communities are really welcoming community and they're very hospitable just to let you know no just let you know one story if you don't mind please way back in 2012 or 2013 a couple of malaysians were already getting caught in the dark got caught in the dark and it was getting late and they were finding their way because on the right, right trail and an old lady they met an old lady and not nobody she didn't know how to speak english but she just motioned them the two malaysians followed the old lady she offered she offered food let them sleep for the night and the following morning uh, accompanied them back to the town and it was a nice heartwarming story a doctor i i believe from malaysia wrote a nice blog about it i already forgot uh, where it, where to find it but it was a heart it was one of the uh testimonies about how the locals are so hospitable and caring even if they didn't speak a word yeah yeah no amazing and you know you could really experience it coming through every checkpoint everyone was so um yeah so willing and uh to, to help and yeah the seeing everyone out on the trail people were just extremely hospitable so amazing thanks so much for making the time janelle really appreciate it it's my honor, Scott, and uh, I hope that this is not the last time you're coming to the that you are joining our race or even coming to the Philippines. There are a lot of things more that you can explore if you want the beach, if you want to more have a go on hiking. There are a lot, a lot of things to do here, and we'll certainly be happy to have you. Yeah, thank you so much that. for this honor, and thank you for joining again. Absolutely, no, I don't. It's on your uh, outstanding performance. 
Oh, don't it? Yeah, it could have been a lot better, but um, but no, I'd I'd love to come back and uh, uh, at some point if I can pluck up the courage because it's definitely uh, it's uh, definitely a tough race. Um, but amazing, Janelle. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you and good night. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. We are welcomed onto the Endurance Asia podcast by three Hong Kong ultra running legends. We've got Will Hayward. As it, in fact, ladies first. Sorry, we've got Nikki Han. We've got uh, we've got Virginia, and we've got Will Hayward, who um, have all spent the last weekend running in the Philippines, running Hardcore 100. We just heard from Janelle and about the genesis of the race. Um, and we'll get to hear from these three fine people on how the, it was for, for the participants. So, um, yeah, great to see you all again. It was amazing hanging out with you this past weekend. Um, and I suppose like to kick off, like, how are you all feeling? How are you all recovering? Maybe Virginie, like, uh, to start with you, how are you... Uh, how are you recovering after re- arriving back in Hong Kong from uh, from Kapaya? My recovery is going quite well, um, despite some itches in the wrong pla- places that are probably due to leeches. Um, so yeah, n- not otherwise it's going smooth. Uh, you've you've got like rashes and stuff. I think we all got attacked yes. by leeches. I think I remember when we were preparing it within a WhatsApp group, and you and like everyone was like reminding of stuff to take with us and it's like oh you've got to take the stuff for leeches and I was like leeches I've like never seen leeches in a race before but I think we all ended up with a few of the suckers on us during the race um Will how are you uh how are you holding up sir straight I'm not too, I'm not too bad I uh I fell asleep in my office at lunchtime today a little nap <laughs> did you yeah that was probably uh I needed um <laughs> And I must admit, I did. Uh, I did end up briefly at Matilda Hospital on Monday morning because oh I had a blister that had burst during the race, and it was fine in the race. And then after the race, it just kind of started to get infected and got big and stuff. So I oh, thought, wow. oh, so I just went up there and got that kind of cut out. And now I've basically got a plaster on probably for the next couple of weeks. As a, oh uh, shit! As a so you were because I remember at the finish line you were complaining. You were like, "Oh, I had this blister and it burst," and I was like, "It's fine, I'm okay." But at the finish line, you were like, "It's actually really hurting now." So, bloody hell! What did they do? They just like they cut it open and then put antibiotics and stuff on it. Yeah, it was basically just that it, it burst in the race, but then it closed up again, like mm-hmm. afterwards. And so, mm-hmm. of course, then it was probably infected. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, because it, actually, I was not too affected by blisters during the race itself. Uh, mm-hmm. I think maybe unlike some of my uh, uh, fair companions, but um, but yeah, but afterwards, definitely got uh, yeah, got bitten a little bit. But anyway, oh. yeah, it's all it's all part of the fun. Yeah, and Nikki, you yeah you like, did get affected by blisters yeah, a little bit more, like, like myself. Like Virginie, I've also got rashes which are leeches, I'm afraid, yeah, and blisters. I haven't been able to walk for two days. Just, really? Yeah, the pressure, I just could not put pressure on my feet. My blisters are quite horrific. <laughs> I saw you'd actually, you sent a picture of you, you yeah. put like little bits so, of thread into each one of your blisters because you actually, yeah, after so, you finished, you got them to actually pierce yours yeah. and drain I, them I, immediately. Yeah. I think the best thing to do with blisters is pop them and then drain them so you put the thread through so it keeps them drained yeah i got you yeah 
So but it's still been really painful. Up. Yeah, I couldn't put any pressure. Pre- couldn't put any pressure, like standing, I couldn't put pressure for the last two days. I've just been lying down. Bloody it's, hell. I, I've never had pain like it. It's unbelievable. You've never had pain like it? Like pain like that in my feet. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, you've had, you've got two kids. You've like, yeah. <laughs> you've definitely yeah. surely experienced yeah. pain. Worse I mean, like that. foot pain, foot pain. Yeah. I've never once had blisters in my, or certainly not to that scale in trail running ever. And I don't think you have either, right? Well, I did in uh, UTMF back in 2015 or whenever it was. I did get when it was a really, really muddy wet year when they yeah. had to cancel the race. But I got through before they cancelled it. Certain point I got through and I had blisters there as well. And that was from the mud and the rain. Yeah. I think nothing like, nothing like these ones. These ones are like really, really bad. Even now I can't. It, it's an effort to walk. Yeah, yeah, I saw you did get out for a run today, though. So but, no, I didn't run. I walked very slowly. OK, okay. I, had move, I had to move my legs. Actually, muscle wise, my legs and yeah. everything fine. Yeah, yeah. Just, just yeah. I, I've actually my blisters are okay. I, I, I didn't burst mine when I was there, and then I did it, and the pressure of because I think that's the most painful thing yeah, is the pressure, sort of pressure yeah. of them, yeah. and especially when it's in shoes and it's rubbing. And for me, yeah. r- running along the actual uneven trail was just agony yeah. with the blisters. Agony. But then, but after I, I like drained them when I got back, and um, yeah, I've been absolutely fine. But similarly to you, legs are absolutely fine. It's probably because I couldn't run as hard yeah. as I would have liked to have done because of the blisters. I didn't ruin yeah, my legs. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm the same, I think, because I couldn't um, push in, like push enough. Yeah. Like, you, you weren't pushing, so like your legs, muscles are fine. So, so I'm interested to hear from each of you. I mean, I, I know a bit of these backstories, but why you decided all to sign up for for H1 this year, and uh, and kind of what has been your your story around the uh, around the event? And uh, I suppose we'll kick off with you first, Will. Uh, what what uh, convinced you to come back in uh, in 2023? Obviously, you've you've you'd given it a bash before. Yeah, well, so I was a H1 finisher already uh, in 2019. And I'm pretty sure after that one, I swore I was, I was never going back and doing that crazy course again. Um, and uh, yeah, but then towards the end of last year, I think um, our good friend Tanya Bennett, aka Pirate, and Nikki, I think we're planning to go and Virginia as well. And so, you know, when your mates are going somewhere like that, um, yeah, you start to think, well, that might be a very quiet weekend here. Um, so it was definitely because other people were going. And that was actually the same reason I went in 2019. I would never have gone if it hadn't been for uh, Tanya and Nikki and Chang going. And I just kind of tagged, tagged along. So it was partly that kind of group thing. Um, partly the the kind of last uh, race I'm trying to get into in my ultra career, I think, is Hard Rock, uh, which I've been in the lottery uh, a number of times, but still need more tickets. And so uh, H1 is one of uh, only two uh, hard rock qualifiers in uh, Asia. Um, and so uh, that was also um, a, a bit of a draw. And then also, you know, Jonel is such a like iconic guy. Uh, we'd obviously got to know him last time. Um, and uh, this race this year is like a transition of him handing over to Robert, who we also know, 
um, who's kind of taking over as the as the, the race director. So it also seemed like, yeah, it might be quite a special year. Um, didn't quite realize how special. It was maybe a bit more special than I bargained bargained on. But um, yeah, so probably those three things combined for me. Um, yeah, Nikki, what was your um, your background with the event then? I know that you've uh, you've been to H one before. So what? Yeah, so I was come back? I was with Will. I was with Will in two thousand and nineteen, and I DNF'd at hundred k. Which. Yeah. Nikki Ham and DNF, those two phrases don't go in the same sentence. It was really bad. Yeah, so I was with Tanya. Tanya caught up with me. I wasn't feeling too good. And it was just after Four Trails, 2019 Four Trails. So it was just a couple of months, so I was really tired. And I knew within the first 510K that this wasn't going to end very well. And then Tanya caught up with me, and we decided to go together. And then we just decided 100k, just call it a day. Yeah. And, and you had a. I mean, yeah. I think we could have carried on. We could have carried on, but it would have been, yeah. Because you actually I saw a couple of people at the event. They were like, "Oh, you didn't last time. You had yeah. plenty of time to carry on, but you uh, you decided to DNF." Uh, we had. We didn't have plenty of time. Uh, uh, maybe we had like half an hour or something, and they couldn't believe that we were gonna stop but we'd already decided we were just stopping <laughs> and, and so would you say that it's kind of been kind of the back of your mind ever since you've just been like i've got to go and get that one back and and, and yeah. you've, yeah, only done, and like, you've only had like one other dnf in your entire ultra running career yeah uh, i think um yeah yeah i was so, as soon as yeah we got back to kayapa we took a, a van back i was like tanya no i'm yeah i need to come back and do that again but with COVID, it was postponed and then postponed. Yeah, so it's taken four years to get back. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm interested in for you, Virginie. Like, how? Um, yeah, how did you? I, obviously, was it just hearing about the event from uh, from Will and Nikki that um, that had sort of put it on your radar to come and race? Yep, it's um, it's Nikki's the one to blame. So when we were training for four trails. She told me um, there was this race. I, I didn't finish it. It's very raw. It's beautiful. You should go. And I said, okay, let's go together. It took us a while to get there with COVID, but I'm very, very happy I went. Yeah. And and how was your training block coming up to the event? Um, I mean, I'm mindful that of of the group of us here. I, I, um, we've got we've got one Hong Kong Four Trails finisher. We've got two survivors, and we've got one failure. Um, and you've uh, you've been uh, yeah you having survived um, four trails uh, in um, in 2020. You came back and um, and gave it another go in 2021. But over the last kind of like year or so, how's your uh, yeah? Has this been kind of one of your main a, a races for um, for for the season? Um, yes, I was looking for something different after uh, four trails, so I. Um, survived four trails uh, two times and then um, the year after I DNF'd um, due to hypothermia which is quite funny because that's in Hong Kong um, and um, so I was looking for another challenge um, and yeah each each one came up and it looked like exactly what I needed it's um, it's a smaller low-key race with um, stunning scenery and um, very high difficulty factors so I was very happy um, to again get um, totally out of my comfort zone. 
but and running up to it you had a you had a good training block were you um i know that you were around hong kong island quite a bit right yeah it's it was not ideal because um work is is extremely busy um especially in in my sector um i'm also a mother of of three children um so i just did what i could with the terrain i had um managed to do a couple of quite long runs back to back training speed training um i'm very well advised by stephanie howe who kept me going and yeah i did what i could on race on race day um um a bit disappointed but very happy with the effort i put in yeah yeah no um, an amazing performance and we'll like we'll go through how everyone finished up shortly but for for will what about you sir how did you um how how did you prepare for coming into this year were you uh were you in pretty good nick well it was kind of a weird year for me because i uh for the first time really in my career i got an injury uh last year my got a quite a bad achilles problem which really stopped me running for a few months and so I've been a slow build back um, since about September last year and have really, it really not, not my confidence, um, you know, got me kind of wondering, could I, you know, like if you can't run 10 Ks without kind of needing to stop and walk, then how are you ever going to do, you know, one of these crazy races again? And so I'd done uh, earlier in the year, I'd done Hong Kong hundred very badly, had a terrible race there. Unlike you, Scott, who totally crushed it. Um, uh, did Lentau 70, which went a lot better. So that gave me a little bit more confidence. But I came in, I'd had quite a good last month. I'd done quite a lot of vertical, been climbing a lot of the mountains around Lantau, also Tamoshan repeats. Um, so I was feeling quite good, but also, yeah, really uh, not, not feeling the normal mojo that I have and really not knowing you know, what was going to happen out there. When we were all at the homestay together, I think like with any big race, there was a, there was a bit of like anxious nervousness amongst us. Um, we're all kind of in like different phases. Like Nikki, you were like, you got ready. It felt like three hours before. I, I was just, I want to sleep for longer because it was a 10 p.m. start. Uh, start no, and, um, and you were like already dressed, like already ready to go. Um, yeah. And then I think uh, Virginia, you'd already like you dropped off like a massive Santa sack uh, for your drop bags, and you were like so incredibly prepared. Um, and I think whenever you go into a big hundred mile race, you're like, oh, there's this feeling of like what's ahead of us. And for actually for the for the two of you, Will and Nikki, you'd been and done uh, the race before, so you kind of knew what was going. Um, but yeah, I was like wildly unprepared just sort of sitting there an hour before the race just like still hadn't even like packed up my um my uh my bags or anything and was uh yeah was almost a little bit too uh too chilled but um but yeah Nikki how were you feeling getting to the start line like two hours before you were like bouncing around it was actually an hour and a half okay um no I like I like the start line atmosphere that's why I like to go and like see who's there chat just like it's nice it's a nice feeling and we haven't had it for so long I mean it's nice it, it's nice it to was see an amazing like atmosphere there as well right I was chatting to Janelle beforehand but just the there's it's it's quite uh there, you know there's a hundred and there was 158 participants so it's quite an intimate but just it's a really good there. atmosphere and it was uh uh I think like everyone was uh yeah really feeling the vibes and everyone remembered me from last time and they remember Tanya they said where's where's Tanya where's Tanya you know it's it's just such an amazing community uh, it's awesome yeah, Love it. yeah 
and, and Virginia and Will, how were you feeling like before setting off? Because it's also pretty, not very common to set off at like at 10 p.m. for for a start. I mean, I think there's a, you know, there's a few like uh, I think UTMB starts late at night, doesn't it? But like most races are either really early morning starts or um, but so, yeah. How were you both feeling? Uh, I was, uh, I'd actually been a bit wiped out by the briefing in the morning. It was really hot and we'd gone down. And when I came back at lunchtime, I was feeling like I was totally wiped out. I didn't even know, you know, like if I could get out of bed to, you know, get to the, to the start line later on. So, so again, I was feeling, I, I, I was not very confident when I, when I got to the start, but, um, totally agree with Nikki. It was like a great vibe at the start line and, um again yeah seeing people that i've met last time like a lot of the local runners chatting to them chatting to people like like henry from singapore uh you know seeing kind of old friends and stuff um and and it, it's it's a race with a you know it is a it's you know probably 85 percent you know local filipino runners and so mm-hmm. uh there's a really really good friendly vibe there everyone kind of knows each other they're very welcoming to the other runners but at the same time you know you're, you're running a filipino race so you you feel like you've, you've been invited into someone else's home uh and that was really really special yeah. feeling i think yeah 100 percent. i think um outside we were the only sort of like uh there was quite a few people from singapore i think there was like maybe a couple of from um from malaysia but other than that i don't think there were any kind of other expats i think there was there was one other guy from europe or something or hungary or something i think uh yeah yeah, that's right um uh but yeah definitely was a um a real sort of local community uh a community race which gave it a, a really good uh good vibe so yeah, I'm interested, like for each of you, how you how the race went for you. What were some of the like high and uh, high and low points? I think out of all of us, I think we all. Sh- I'd actually say that uh, from from my experience of what I saw at the end, like Will, Nikki, and myself probably suffered the most. I think Virginia, when I saw you come to the finish line, you were like, "I'm yeah, great. great. You were just in such yeah. incredible yeah, form." Yeah, um, yeah, tell us how it how it went for you. Um, I was, you know, it was the first time I did this race, so I felt um, a little bit intimidated um, at the start. For me, the start was very, very quick, um, going um, to the first checkpoint die-up, and I had a few moment, moments of doubt there um, why why I was in, in this race. Um, Filipino um, runners are amazing. They are very, very fast climbers, and I was wondering if I was getting my pace wrong. Um, I tried to keep up with Will, um, but he disappeared very quickly in front of me. Um, Nikki um, was gone from um, from the finish out from the start out of my eyesight, which which I kind of expected. Um, but it was the start was quite quite fast. Um, I, knowing myself, I know I need to really carefully pace myself, and I try to just run my own race. Um, after that, um, I really loved the, the very friendly atmosphere and it was a very good distraction. Um, it's I think it's the first time um, since COVID that I run in such a very friendly race. And like we said earlier, I really fen- felt that we were invited um, to that race. So I really wanted to also meet their expectations and honor their um, invitation and have a happy race and and not complain and that was my mojo tr- during the whole race just stay happy no panic and and do what you can um so yeah that's what i try to do all through the race there were there was some adversity uh, but that was um, definitely expected um 
especially with the massive thunderstorm in which um, I was caught because I was a little bit more um, at the back of the race and had to wait um, in a shed for about 35, 40 minutes mm. uh, and also dealt with some hallucinations, um, but it was to be um, also to be, um, to be expected. But yeah, I gave it the best efforts that I could um, all throughout the race, um, tried to also help a few fellow runners that got lost or had some very um, dif- difficult issues with fatigue, yeah. Uh, but yeah, very happy with the effort I put in, and um, I, I really loved every moment of of the race. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was one thing you said at the end is like I loved every part of it, and I think for for um, the other three of us, there were like lots of real low points. But yeah, I mean, you were saying that you helped out a couple of other other runners getting lost. I know. Nancy a guy running from Singapore you were going you both got through the last sort of main checkpoint um together like the last cut off and um and yeah but you were quite tight uh time frame and then going through a, like a real uh, pine forest which was just up and down and it was really you know at that point all really sleep deprived and uh yes. and yeah he kind of like didn't take a turning up the last big hill uh, and ended up like getting uh yeah against your sort of recommendation and saying oh, I'm checking your watch and it was up there and uh and yeah he ended up getting really badly lost but then you made it in and and got over the finish line I think you were just over, an hour over the cutoff but um you know it I think you finished the course you got to the end of the course and it's really aggressive cutoffs on this race I think it's renowned of having like really really tough cutoffs so yeah just an amazing performance um from you and just to to do it when with such a smile on your face the whole way and look so good and fresh at the end as well was impressive uh what about you Will what were some of your highs and lows from the uh from the event yeah, I mean, well, having said that, I kind of started with a lack of confidence. I actually, the first part of it went pretty well for me, and I was because I'd done it before. I knew not to go out too fast, and I, I, I knew that a lot, of the, a, lot of, a lot of the local runners loved to sprint off up the hill, so I was very happy to let them do that. And um, really, just kind of cruised. You know, the the race is basically kind of and got two out and backs where you know we start kind of the middle of the course in Kayapa, go out to Mount Pulag, which is this massive mountain that we spent about, you know, three and a half hours climbing. Um, the climb is of, of, of Pulag is around over, it's, is it 1800 meters yeah, or 1700 yeah. meters? It's, it's just a relentless yeah. climb. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that they rooted it this year was also, it was a very technical climb as well. Um, and so uh, not only are you climbing a long, a long way, but it's also very tiring, you know, as, as you go. So, so yeah, so, so was feeling like that was, that went quite well. And, um, it was on that climb towards the end that, uh, I came to a shelter and suddenly found Nikki there who was taking a bit of a break. So (laughs) got to go up the rest of that, that climb with, with Nikki, which was awesome. Um, and then. And then we had another break at the top. It's a great shot of you two having like a lay down in like a, on on the grass together, just chilling out, enjoying the view. Well, that's the good thing when you when you're going to run for thirty eight hours, you know, if you take a two minute break, doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so then yeah, so then came down and then and then we head out around and you know it's a long way around. Uh, you go back past Kayapa and then you're climbing up to Mount Ugo, and it was on that way back that the thunderstorm broke that I'm sure we all kind of experienced um uh you know that, that virginia was just talking about for me that happened as i was climbing out of the big valley towards the second uh drop bag at castillo which is about 109k 
And that for me was a real low point uh, because I was a bit unnerved by the thunderstorm. It wasn't right over where I was, but it was pretty close. And I, I I'm not that fond of th- you know thunder thunderstorms anyway. And um, then got torrential rain. It got pretty cold. I got my jacket out, but still was quite cold. And then there was so much rain and the soil was very kind of sandy and clay based. So it became almost impossible to walk on as well. And so, you know, you're putting one step up and then it's sliding back. And um, and so the whole way I got really, you know, discouraged. Um, and it was kind of around there that I, yeah, I kind of lost a bit, bit of mojo. I'd, I'd been making quite good time to that point. And then really slowed down, came to a checkpoint, um, you know, our friend Millette was there and she took great care of me, but I probably wasn't uh, in great frame of mind. And then for the next few hours after that, I was pretty all over the place, going really slowly, not really, you know, moving efficiently. Um, and also that was the second night, you know, second night is also really, really tough, um, became very tired, but, you know, just kept kind of plodding along. Um, and then eventually uh, Nikki caught up with me again. So uh, the great part of the race for me also was finishing the last about four hours with Nikki, and we we got to the end of that together. It was great to cross the, the line with a good mate. Yeah, that's so cool. You got to do two iconic parts of the race: the summit and then the finish, like the and then the last sort of like uh, last twenty k together or, or, or so. Um, yeah, Nikki, what what about you? What were the highs and lows for you? Yeah, I mean, it pretty much went all right, but then I got like about sixty one k, and I had a stomach stomach issues but it came good once i saw Malette. what was the first yeah yeah so she had chocolate milk for me so i had all the chocolate milk and it my stomach was good carried on and then the thunderstorm that i mean that was fine for me um and then yeah i got the blisters and it's like at what point did the blisters hit you so 109k at Castillo, I changed my socks, but I didn't like clean my shoes yeah. out. That was a big mistake. Yeah. I didn't clean my shoes out, but I think my feet were already gone by then. Like they'd yeah. already had already yeah. hot spots. So then that was fine. And that was a climb up to Mount Ugo, wasn't it? Yeah. After exactly. Castillo. Yeah, there's there's Amalong yeah. and then down mm-hmm. to Proper West and then up to Mount Ugo. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that descent down into Kayapa mm-hmm. West. That's where I really started feeling my bottoms yeah, and my feet. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I, sorry, then, uh, I was just going to say around that kind of, at that yeah. point, changing your socks. So I did at the same point and I had a couple of hot spots and, and sort of I tended to my feet. I put on a couple of plasters, taped up the hot spots yeah, and, and tried to clean out my shoes, put dry socks on. But I actually think going yeah. from wet to then dry it actually it is it's it worse. Was worse. Yeah, it yeah. causes more friction. I think it was worse. Yes, I think it caused more friction for me because I could really feel yeah. it for some and, reason. And also, I think like and you, then, I didn't, uh, we had Virginie that took two massive Santa sacks with every possible uh, ointment or change of clothes or shoes, like 15 pairs of shoes. I shoes. Um, whereas I, the two of us did, did, I, did you change, I didn't change did, my shoes. Did you change you see, I don't usually change shoes. And I think, I don't know, I think next time I'll maybe change my shoes. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, the blisters were just awful. And then, because my stomach had settled down and I had all this energy, I was able to eat a lot. But I just couldn't move mm. fast. So it was really frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and, and I'm interested for all of you what like nutrition wise you say the chocolate milk saved you but what else were you eating and drinking during the during the course Nikki so I I use like um it's called mm-hmm. precision it's from the UK it's like a an energy drink um electrolyte and I also use the gels as well so I was using the gels but at the checkpoints I was eating um yeah the congee I was eating the congee as well it was amazing the congee was amazing ginger in it yeah the congee um yeah my stomach just kind of turned but yeah the chocolate milk saved it always does chocolate milk's amazing and, and for, for you will and virginie what were your what was your nutrition focused on virginie i had um i was i aim to have some um, some solid foods um every three hours just to also keep my stomach down so i had either like the amazing ginger congee that they offered they also had some coconut rice and I also carried a couple of freeze-dried um, small portions of freeze-dried meals so I think I had two or three um, also on the course when you know didn't feel like having a gel or um, snacks I just had like a few uh, mouthful of um, of freeze-dried food like I had some macaroni and cheese and um, also some um, some very condensed um, high calorie rice so um, yeah. I just took a few and that's I think that that really helped my, my energy and also helped not to feel sleep um, sleeplessness at all yeah I, I think at the pace you go for this kind of race I think it's it, it can be a bit easier to manage your um your your nutrition the biggest I, the biggest challenge for me I mean there was a few but getting um during the middle of the day sort of coming back from because there's a part of the trail that you do twice I think I don't know whether it's the Spanish trail but essentially it's the um it's coming back from um from a Mount Pulag and yeah um and I did that in and you go over loads of these bridges which are just absolutely you do it at night and you don't really think like they're quite low and you but you can't see below. but then in daytime my god there's like crazy sheer drops and um and they're yeah. I mean, will for you and i being like really tall they're like probably only come up like just below your like top of your thigh on the side yeah, yeah. for some of them oh my god that was uh, freaking me out but i i did that in the middle of the day and it's a kind of 20 or 18k between the two checkpoints and um and i did it in the heat of the day yeah. and i absolutely cooked and i had to like lay down in little streams a couple of times and that's why that's where i i felt hot and that's why i yes. went into that stream i went into the stream and i think that was another mistake because your feet got really I, wet like yeah my, whole, yeah, my, my feet got you know really, what? really that, wet but it felt great i felt it was like oh my god this is heaven but just, and i just uh, kept on having to like pour water over my head all the time and that just fills up your shoes and fills up your socks as well yeah so I think that could have been a could have been a culprit, but um, yeah, that that's it. And I I got to the end or the next checkpoint um there, which was in a square. And I, I think the course was marked okay in places, but but there were places where I kind of like just missed. And there was the one like the entrance going back up to this um little school where there was the checkpoint that we went in both sides. But I actually missed it, and I went past, and I had to go to this little hut and just say oh, to a like uh, a, a family and say, "Look, can I have some water, please?" Can I have some water? And they gave me some water, and I like said, "Where's the checkpoint?" And they're like, "It's just there. You just passed it." <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit!" So I went back in. And... Yeah, the the hill, hour, right? I think that's yeah, the spent half an hour on uh, during the thunderstorm okay yeah. yeah yeah and and i was like and then i went back up there and because i i downed that water that they gave that this family gave me and then i was like reaching i was throwing up i didn't actually physically throw up but i was like dry reaching 
anyway, I went in and I and that was when I have a first yeah. bit of congee and I was like, actually, this is sorting me out. It sorted out my stomach and then was able to sort of um, to push on pretty well after that. Um, but the other the other point was around sleep deprivation that and no second night it just absolutely plays with you completely doesn't it so um nikki i see you're shaking your head there like how are you you've done it a few yeah, times no, i was i, I was okay with sleep yeah i was okay with sleep you don't really sleep yeah. you only actually sleep like four to five um, hours a no, night I don't, don't really you sleep, so yeah. like yeah. i don't yeah. really need much sleep so i mean yeah you, you hallucinate a little bit but i didn't feel yeah. i needed sleep yeah yeah I passed a few guys, they were like sleeping on the trail when they, because you're allowed a pacer from Oops, Castillo, yeah. Castillo, 100 Castillo, yeah, for 109k. So, like, I passed quite a few guys who were with their pacers. The runners were sleeping and the pacer was like watching them sleep. Yeah. Like, ready um, to wake them up at the 10 minute mark so or something. Ready to wake them up. So, they're, yeah, they're watching them like half an hour sleep and wake them up. There's like, I was like, why are they sleeping? I, I, don't, yeah. I don't need to sleep. I, I, I can just but I did get like I did get hallucinations you like I was seeing bears yeah, there, were, the there were loads of like uh, burnt like down trees which were just in really but, weird yes, shapes yeah. and you, they were turning into all sorts of stuff um but Will how was the sleep deprivation for you you mentioned you suffered a little bit on the on the second night yeah I mean it wasn't too bad and I didn't uh I've got better at napping but in this race I, I didn't I only really napped once um you know, yeah, a little bit of kind of uh, a few patches where I was a bit of a zombie. Um, it was more the thing I noticed was uh, I get weird feelings of familiarity where things that I've never yeah. seen before become very familiar. And yeah. and it was kind of weirder too but this time because, you know, I'd been on the course before. So I had been there to most of it once. But when I was up the top of Mount Ugo, which is the last kind of big mountain that we do, yeah, that's a big climb, about 1,300 meter climb, and you get to the top. And all, and the whole way up, I was kind of feeling like, oh, th this is like a place I used to go as a kid. Like, I know it really well. And I suddenly realized, no, you've been here once before. But, like, you know, yeah. most, most of these paths that you're on right now, you've never been never been on at all. So that's yeah. that's a very strange feeling. But um, I got that deja vu so many times as well. It's just like, I've absolutely done this trail before. And it's like, there's no, absolutely, there's no way I could have. Uh, what, what about you, Virginia? <laughs> Um, I didn't really feel the need to sleep, but I definitely had a lot of hallucinations. Um, I was at the back of the pack, and so the, the pressure to meet the cutoff was definitely there, especially in the second half. So when I felt I was going a bit off track mentally, I said, cut, I told myself, cut off, cut off, cut off. And then yeah. it kind of kept me um, kept me going. But I saw a lot of like very weird stuff um, on the Spanish trail. Um, I'm convinced I met a very um, old, toothless lady um with who i exchanged a few words but i'm not sure if it's true or not and but it was a very inspiring uh encounter nonetheless that's brilliant that's brilliant the we we talked a little bit about around your finish at, at virginia like just after the cutoff but just bouncing over the finish line amazing um and then will will and nikki so you um you both came in together and uh and like a good like hour and a half under under the cutoff it was um how was it how did it feel getting over the uh over the finish line for you guys yeah i mean we we had the luxury of we, you know by the time we got together we kind of knew we had enough time to get to the finish and so at some level we were trying to kind of keep pushing but but also you know there wasn't quite that much motivation so as long as we got there and you know nikki's feet were, were very sore i 
had got one of my famous leans, which I sometimes do at the end of a big race like that. So I was uh, I was moving okay, but um, having a little trouble with balance. And you know, we did this very long uh, kind of contour path around this very steep you know hill that was the pine forest. And so there were a few places where I was going quite slowly because I I didn't really want to overbalance and you know fall fall down the side. Um, and then yeah, and then you know we we ended up you, you know you do this massive climb. I guess it's about 300 meters. Uh, you know, I checked later on. It definitely felt a lot more, a lot longer than that. Um, yeah, big climb up to the to the last checkpoint, and then I think Nick and I both thought we'd kind of bound down the hill and like you know, have, have a <laughs> triumphant finish. And in the end, um, yeah, it was very very slow, painful descent for both of us. But yeah, but so thrilled to kind of get there at the end. And um, you know, race like this, I mean, I mean, it just feels like such a massive achievement. Like no matter. You know, when you've uh, you know finished, even even if you, you finish after the cutoff, like you know, like Virginia, I mean, only like less than thirty percent of the starters, you know, finished under the cutoff. So, um, so yeah, so to do that definitely felt like you know, massive, uh, massive achievement. Yeah, twenty eight percent finish rate, only the second lowest of uh, of all time, actually. That Janelle was just saying, and um, uh, yeah, I think I was just thinking about your lean there. Well, luckily your lean would have been into the mountain like because that because yeah. because like that contour that whole there was a 10 like 9k section at the end where it's pretty much a pretty steep drop next yeah. to you and in fact Virginia you said that you saw Nancy who you like that's where you came across yeah. me and actually like fallen off the side of that it was um it was a pretty uh treacherous pitch so yeah luckily your lean was taking you on the safer side of that of that mountain but um yeah I, I, I was worried about Will honestly <laughs> He was like, if he has one slip, he's down that hill. Oh my god! And you'd have to, you have to fish him out. Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I and. I'm interested sort of uh, of your overall view of the race. I mean, we talked a little bit around, uh, you know, so I think some of the marking on the course was was a, a little bit of a frustration for me at, at points. So I actually didn't have the, um, the, the map properly showing up on my watch. And uh, at one point I got up to the top of Mount Ugo and it was pissing down with rain and the, uh, the markers took you to the summit bit. But then at the summit, there was no trail to go to. And I was walking around there for like 20 minutes going, where the bloody hell is this trail? Freaking out, trying to call them. And I was just like, this is madness. And then realized that actually you didn't know you need to go to the summit. There was just an, a little bit of an out and back if you wanted to go to the um to, to the summit. But um, but yeah, I mean, the course had changed from the previous year because they had wanted to um to have more um more trail so yeah what was your thoughts of the of the course i suppose most to you um will and nikki and start with you will compared to the previous uh year well i think we were under the impression because it looked like it was a little shorter and a little less elevation than the previous yeah. year so we were all under the misapprehension it might be a bit easier and in fact it was considerably more difficult, uh, as shown by everyone who who ran again ran slower because the new bits were much more technical. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so that was definitely uh, a challenge. I mean, the thing I think is really special about the race. It is a very very difficult race. So, you know, it's a race for someone that likes a challenge, and you, you want to test yourself against something something that's that is going to be you know difficult to achieve no matter what your standard is. Um, but also, you know, it's a very special area and um you know these are trails that most of them are not tourist trails you know most of them are trail that they're working trails they're trails going to small farms you know down these valleys 
Um, and so, you know, you're seeing, you know, you're kind of going past all these farms, you're hearing kids, you know, crying, you know, dogs are kind of out, you know, running around. Um, you know, you're seeing, you know, kind of local people, you know, walking down the trail that you're that you're passing and they're wondering why the hell is this guy, you know, guy looking looking like a madman. Um, and uh and so yeah, so you're really, you know, I mean, we're we as kind of foreigners really invited into this environment. And um, and so yeah, you know, like a lot of races you go to, you know, it's like the you know, I mean, the trails are beautiful, the views are great, but it's all a little bit contrived. It's a little bit like, oh, yeah. if, we, if we put a trail here, it'll be like a nice view. Whereas this is we've we put a trail here because that's going to you know someone's farm and that that crazy hanging bridge is the only way that they're getting out to the market you know so yeah. i i really love that that just side of it, it just felt like yeah. being kind of immersed in a cultural environment uh as, as well as doing this extremely significant physical challenge yeah yeah and for you nikki how did it compare to the previous yeah. years in terms of the the course i suppose yeah you didn't really the because you only got to 100k last time so you did the 60k that changed yeah, on the so end you didn't yeah, I can't really remember much about, yeah, 2019 and just that I wanted to do it again because, yeah, but exactly what Will said, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. The trails are amazing. Yeah, yeah no, I think that's, uh, it was extremely eloquently put there, there, Will, just you do feel like you've been invited into their, yeah. their, their backyard and you feel like it's quite intrepid that you don't actually, I think this is fundamentally, I'm sure for, I speak for all of us when we like, we, whilst we will do the hong kong 100 it's right in your backyard it's got it's got an amazing um you know the whole community hong kong community comes out and it's got a great feeler to it actually like the best races are the ones where you actually go and do a course where there's basically the only way you would get into that area is if you were going to do this race it's like that far out off the beaten track that you're very uh, unlikely to be able to go and experience that um that region that the, area. Co- the course markings were sufficient but they weren't perfect, but you can figure it out. Yeah. You know? you know, you can figure it out. It takes a bit of time, a bit of back and forth, but uh, that's quite enjoyable. Yeah. It's I mean, I because I, I I had it I had it in my watch, and I did find let's if the mark if I couldn't quite figure out where the markings were when I looked at my watch, I could figure it out pretty quickly. So, um, so I would definitely advise I, anyone coming to do the race. Yeah. Definitely have it on your watch and make sure your watch has power. And uh, I think that's. Uh, very helpful yeah i think that's really good advice and that kind of begs the question to each of you like would you come back and do it again and if so what would you do differently or and also what learnings have you taken from the race that you would do differently in any other race like what are some things i i always like to when whenever i have a really good race or a bad race i do a kind of i write a checklist of hey here's all my learnings from it and here's what i what i'll do differently so yeah would you come back again and like what would you do differently or what would you apply differently to future races so nikki if you um are we going to see you yeah. in kapaya again Yes, next you year. You come back again next year. Back. Well, you, yeah, got, having got yeah. the podium, you need you need to go and kind of retain yeah. uh, re, uh, retain your crown. Well, we'll talk a little bit about your around your podium prize in a moment as well. But um, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with my time. Yeah. That's why I want to go back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and what learnings? Yeah, would you... yeah, super happy that I finished, but I was a little bit disappointed. I think the blisters just got the better of me, and yeah, yeah I couldn't push. Um, but I know I can do a better so time. I could, you could, the, the, there's been the same winner every year, right? Um, she's yeah. won the, like literally every year. Um, yeah. And so 
what will you do differently to come back and take her crown next year? Um, a Santa sack, definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and what's going to be in your shoes. Santa sack? An extra pair of shoes? Yeah, a definitely an extra pair of shoes. A, yeah, some sort of blister kit. Um, socks that I've used before <laughs> really rookie mistakes I made really really bad mistakes that I made this maybe time. something for um, the leeches leeches not well I mean I didn't really suffer at the time you know you didn't really feel them at the time it's only when you finish the race and now you, you're like oh wow quite a lot of leeches yeah. <laughs> for on me um but yeah that's what yeah. I do yeah bigger bigger sack <laughs> And for you, Virginie, will we see you back in uh, in Kapaya in the uh, in the future? And uh, is there anything that you'd you'd do differently next time? I would love to go back. I think the raw beauty of the race is is extremely attractive. Um, it's very different from any race that I I have run in the past. Um, and the community is very very special, um, very inviting. Um, it's a very unique race, and I will definitely go back um, next year if 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 I get an get an entry. And I think my advice would be go with um, a very good watch that has very good capacity, or that at least you can charge on the go. Yeah. My watch died several times, and um, it was very difficult then to um, sometimes find a way. I, I lost quite a bit of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. My 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 watch died as well, and I didn't have any anything to charge it with, so I was just doing it from the ribbons. Yeah. So I managed it. Yeah. But I did go back and forth. And you're both on chorus watches. They're supposed to be the, uh, yeah, I was really concerned going into it with my Garmin that mine wouldn't survive. And uh, and yeah, it turned out that the chorus ones that, um, yeah. It was, my chorus is supposed to last for 75 hours, but apparently when my friend looked at it, I had it on the highest settings, Yeah, everything. I should have turned it all off, Yeah, but I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for you, Will, will we uh, see you back in... Uh, in Kapaya and uh and if so what will you do differently um well yeah I mean I would love to go back I can't go next year just for, uh professional reasons on the, about the same weekend I, I probably need to do something else but um apparently people like a lot of the local runners started texting me because apparently with three finishes you go into the hall of fame so um so yeah so maybe I, I need to get back there to get to get another finish so um, so I think probably I will, but yeah, maybe uh, in, a, in a in a couple of years' time. Um, but... Do you have to have three consecutive finishes, or like just three finishes? I'm not sure. If it's three consecutive, I, I'll I'll have to go back in back in another three years. Yeah. I guess, but... yeah. Um. And uh, and when when you go back, or what is there anything from this race that you will take forward for future challenges? I mean, the thing that was unusual for me was getting into this low point. Normally, I'm like, I'm definitely not the fastest, but I just stay very even and and just kind of keep moving on, keep plodding along. And I kind of had a hissy fit, and then that really interrupted me, and I I was just all over the place. So, um, so yeah, so I'll think a little bit, a little bit about that. Um, apart from that, um, uh, I, yeah, I I always struggle to eat. Uh, I I had a weird race where I felt pretty good on the trail and then I come into an aid station sit down and just feel terrible and then so I was actually I was eating most of mostly my own food that I was taking out onto the trail with me uh, and that worked reasonably well um but uh I I guess the thing that went well was unlike some previous races I made sure I had a big variety of food so that 
there was always something that I was feeling like. Um, sometimes I've gone into a race with all one kind of gel or one kind of bar or something. And then if you turn off that, you, you've got nothing else to eat. So I had it in my drop bag. I had lots of different options. I had oatmeal. I could eat it, you know, have, have it the, uh, at the checkpoints. And so, yeah, so, so having that variety was definitely good, good for me. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, I think for me, like I, I got to the finish line and I said, and even there were, I was a few low points towards the end when my feet were just buggered and like, and I could have, you know, you always, I, I don't always, but for me, there's like that creeping in of DNF or like, um, but I was like, no, because otherwise I'll have to come back and do it again. And I don't want to have to like have that hanging over my head. Um, but speaking and, and actually getting to the fish line, I'm like, finish line. I was like, never, I like, you know, never again. That was really tough. But now yeah. speaking to you all now, it's like I feel like there's a bit of a reunion coming on because I, I do feel I mean, I was I was in a third position for pretty much like most of the most of the race and uh, and felt really good up until sort of like 120k or so until the blisters then started getting really bad. And every step was it was agony like like yourself, Nikki. And um, and I just think I, I could have. Yeah, if I'd have been able to properly tend for my feet and if I'd have taped them up properly at that, at that 109k, um, knowing what, um, and if I'd had a Santa sack full of like a full blister kit and tape, then I could have probably would you, hammered that last Would you have changed your shoes and no, I, if you had an extra? No, I didn't have a, I didn't, have, and that's such a good uh, thing to do because it's just different hot spots. But would you, would you have I'd take a different pair of shoes, yeah. yeah um because i think like it's just a whole new load of hot spot like it's you you wouldn't touch the same um the same hot spots on your feet so um yeah. and i'd also pack uh i i'm i used um tengu balm which is uh which is tomo's one which is great oh, yeah. but i don't think it has enough um so it almost absorbs into your skin so it kind of like softens them which can create more blisters um and whereas yeah. you need to have uh, like a gurney goo or, or maybe like a pseudo cream or something that actually repels the water more yes. so i had the yeah. wrong uh so I, i've learned that um as well um yeah pseudo cream would have been awesome yeah yeah pseudocreme. but i would have loved to I have didn't got know. like uh because it, it was like literally on the last 4k that the the uh, I got passed twice yeah. on, uh, and it's so after like an, an, an 160k race to be passed on like the run downhill and it was purely downhill That's as well it's a bit frustrating but I was you know I couldn't run at that point oh I couldn't run on trail it was okay when I got onto the road bit um so I missed out on getting one of these poles but Nikki I understand that you so it's finishing in, on the podium you got like a, a huge is it staff or what is it um it's like a yeah, it's like a walking stick. A huge walking Isn't stick. It? Now, it is about sort of four foot tall. Um, yeah. And I understand. And I was thinking, how the bloody hell are you going to get that home? Firstly, it looks like a weapon. Yeah, that, and, uh, that was a bit of a worry, yeah. how I was going to get it home. So Virginie said, just tell them it's your walking stick. Okay. So that's what I did at the check-in. And they were like, fine, yeah, you can and see you were, it through. you were walking it as though you needed a walking stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. And then at security, they wouldn't allow me through with it. So they sent me back. They said, you have to check that in. So I had to go back to the gate, the check-in gate, and then um, check it in. And... Yeah, I didn't see it for a few days. Oh, okay. And then when you so when you arrived at Hong Kong Airport, it was it wasn't there to greet you. Oh, 
No, it didn't turn up with me, no. But Nikki, you need to tell the full story. So you went back to the check-in with the stick <laughs> that was set in the crutch. And how did you get to the gate? So then, so I went back to the, the check-in, checked it in, and the guy was very nice. He took me straight through the security, and then he'd have got a little buggy for me to take me to the gate. <laughs> I thought you were about to say he got you in a wheelchair and uh, and like wheels. No, he got me. A, he got me a buggy. So then I, Virginie and Will had already gone through. So they were sat there waiting for me, and I came round the corner in my little buggy and just waved to them as I went past. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh well, it was a it was a very um, yeah well well deserved um, podium for you. I think like it, yeah, it was so incredible seeing you uh, up there claim the podium, and you're just such an inspiration. All all three of you, um, but yeah, it was so fun being uh, being out in Kapaya. I, th- I I see a reunion coming on next year. Will I think we're going to have yeah. to try and uh, get you out of these work commitments and uh, and try and get back to to Kapaya again, but. Um, but yeah, no, it was an absolute pleasure, team. And I suppose just to finish off, are there any bit? What, what's next? What's next in the diary for each and every one of you? Um, starting with you, Will, on my on, on my screen. I've got nothing in my diary at all, um, which I'm quite excited about. So I plan to kind of take the summer off. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm moving into a new stage. I'm not. I, I will do a few races around, you know, local races around Hong Kong, but um, I'm not. I'm not. S- particularly motivated by them I'm, I'm more interested in some kind of big adventures um yeah. so but yeah nothing on the dance card at all really yeah okay yeah i mean i know you mentioned you're going to sort of help out with a bit of like supporting a few races and uh, uh around uh around hong kong as well virginia have you got anything in the in the diary it's normally straight after a big race that you're sort of planning your your future races uh straight away um, yes, I have an, another another adventure planned in beginning of September. Um, I'm participating in Ultra Trail Monterosa in Switzerland. Oh, it's organized by Lizzie Hawker. Yeah. yeah, Lizzie Hawker's race. That's amazing. Yeah, I've heard really good things from Janet and Steve about that as well. That'll be uh, that'll be fantastic. It's like a stage race, is it not? Um, I'm doing the the hundred miles in one go. Oh wow! Incredible. Very exciting. Well, good luck training through Bye. the Hong Kong summer for that. Um, I don't, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, that's going to be fun. And and Nikki, for yourself, what, what have we got up next? Yeah, race across Scotland. Wow. Two, 215 miles. Uh, from, from where to where? West coast to east coast. Wow. And when's that? Yeah. Uh, August 12th. Shit. That's not yeah. that long. But it's quite flat. The elevation's only is only, I shouldn't say only, um, seven thousand eight hundred meters. So it's quite it's all quite it's rolling hills. Yeah. So uh, different, uh, very different. Two hundred and fifteen miles. Two hundred fifteen miles, yeah. So it's two three hundred and forty five kilometers, something like that. Amazing. Amazing. And is it mainly yeah. on road or is it trail? No, it's all trail. Okay. It's a southern it's a southern upland way, so it's an actual trail. Yeah. That's amazing. And is it a race? It's a race, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, I can't wait to, it's, um, to follow. Sorry again. The, the, the cutoff's 100 hours, but okay. I'm hoping to do it. That sounds reasonable for that. you. If you can do uh, four trails yeah. in, uh, in, in sub-60. Uh, the, the female record is 62 hours. Okay. And is that what you are uh, got your eye on? Um. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually I, I'm kind of like you, Will. I'm gonna take I'm taking a couple of months. I, I'm actually want to focus a little bit more on speed work and um and so I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up for some shorter races around Singapore and trying to get some strength in my legs. But for me, this is all sort of building up to four trails again uh next yeah. next year. Um yeah, I I don't know if any of you are actually well, if if you're not uh if you're not uh joining next year i might call on you as a bit of crew for uh, uh or support for uh for, for chinese new year next year but um um awesome so good to catch up with you all thank you so much for for coming on and sharing your experience of h1 and um yeah hopefully i'm we've inspired a few people to sign up for uh for it next year as well um but yeah amazing thanks so much thanks god thank you like the truthful story if they ever ask Stop the complaining cause things ain't that bad